thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to 100 Not Out, featuring your hosts, Dr. Damien Christoph and Marcus Pierce. Welcome to another edition of 100 Not Out, a weekly show dedicated to helping you master the art of aging well. My name is Marcus Pierce, and I am here with the king of the Kiwis. He is a co-founder of the Wellness <laughs> Couch and the Wellness Guys. He's Dr. Damien Christoph, freshly back from New Zealand. Oh, here I am, bro. I'm back, eh? <laughs> I was going to try and impersonate <laughs> New Zealand accent, but oh, I just sort of thought knowing that you were on the other on the other line. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I had a good time. Jeez, I love New Zealand. I really do. I love getting there. I love the air. I love the people. It's just a special place for me. Nice way um, to spend a weekend. A bit of romance with Amber as well. Take your wife away for the weekend, Damo. She would have yeah. loved it. Yeah, it was great. Matakana. Went to Matakana and then uh, Walkworth. It was just all good. There's there's nothing that I can ever find, apart from the price of coffee. It's ridiculous. And the price of petrol. Really? Uh, oh, <laughs> stupid prices. But uh, other than that, um, New Zealand. You love nice everything place. else about New Zealand? Everything. Everything. Well, great man. We're going to cross over to your second home uh, on this episode, 101 of 100 on out. We're going to shoot over to New Zealand today to catch up with a fellow naturopath, fellow nutritionist, all-around good bloke, Cliff Harvey. He's not just a naturopath and nutritionist. He has loads of other initials after his surname. He's also an author and a speaker socializing in holistic performance nutrition. Specializing. Is he specializing or socializing? And he also specializes in mind, body, spirit, lifestyle counseling. Cliff is also hopping on a plane demo to Sydney this week to reunite with you to speak at one of the events of the year, the mm. Thrive Me Symposium yes. at Manly Beach featuring Mark Sisson, Sarah Wilson, the Merrymaker Sisters, Dan Churchill, and of course, the rock star, Damien Christoph. And before Cliff gets on the plane, it is a very warm welcome to you, Cliff Harvey. Thanks for joining us. Hey, thank you guys. It's great to talk to you. Cliff, it's uh, it's great to have you on the um, on the wireless speaking with us. It's uh, it's wonderful. And um, Cliff, I've been watching keenly what you've been up to in New Zealand because obviously I left what seven seven years ago, eight years ago from New Zealand now. You can tell by your accent. You can tell it's all it's all been wound down. <laughs> I had to turn it on when I was in New Zealand. I had to turn my little accent on. Actually, I, I, I never, I was, I've always been Australian, but uh, when I was in New Zealand, I, uh, I had to turn a little bit of it on because... Um, you do it so well, Dan. Well, otherwise, you, you, it's funny because we're at this wedding and, uh, and people said, now, are there any Australians in the room? And I put my hand up and they said, get out. And so I was like, oh, there you go. So that was it. It was like done. So Kiwis don't love Aussies love as much as Aussies love Kiwis, but that's okay. You know, that's, that's all right. But I've been watching what you're doing, Cliff. You're doing some great things. Um, tell us, how did you get into this situation? where you're now a, uh, a rock star health educator speaking at the Thrive Symposium? It's a, it's a good question. I mean, I, I think the whole, I guess, emergence now of the, the real food, whole food sort of style of nutrition, you know, whether, you, whether we call that paleo or primal or any of the other various iterations, I, I think the reason that now I'm involved a lot in the speaking around that area and a lot of the education in that area is because I pra- started practicing in that area a fair time ago now, back in the late 90s when Celine Dion was ruling the charts and, you know, the Chicago Bulls were coming to their second three-feet and all that kind of stuff. So do the math, a it was a long ago. time ago. A little, a few years, a few years. And, you know, Could, as, could as be you back in the days when the Wallabies dominated um, in the in the rugby. The rugby. Yeah. I don't know if that's ever happened, mate. Uh, I, if it ever has happened, we kind of blocked that out over oh, here. I'm pretty but. sure George Gregan would have something to say about that. <laughs> definitely. 
We love to hate that guy. He's amazing. <laughs> He's amazing. But, you know, as you guys will understand, for many years, I was considered quite heretical because I was promoting this, uh, you know, real food message that in many cases was higher fat, lower carbohydrate and getting pretty fantastic clinical results. But of course, you are somewhat on the outside. Uh, the last couple of years here in New Zealand in particular, there's been a lot of university research and a lot of information getting out into mainstream about the benefits of those styles of nutrition. Yeah. And because of that, I've been brought in to, uh, to help with the research at AUT, and that's where I'm doing my uh, doctoral research now is up there. And so I, I think because of that culmination of events now, things are really starting to take off in that field. And it, it's really just it's nice now to have that amount of support and, and all these various organizations, conferences, conventions going on. It's just a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Cliff, I have a feeling though that maybe where a lot of, uh, I suppose, your influence lies in the fact that it hasn't been smooth sailing for you for your whole life. From what I understand, you were diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 2001, so you know, 14 years ago, which kind of led you down the path to then studying naturopathy and and the rest. So, I mean, perhaps maybe just give people an insight as to you know what happened, how bad was it? From what I can tell, it wasn't it wasn't all that pretty. And then, how did you get out of that? How did you recover? Because that would, I imagine, be where a lot of your, I suppose, your influence and your power lies. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, we we learn so much more through our own challenges than we possibly do in the classroom. And at at that point when I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, I was already a practicing nutritionist. I was working with a lot of our top athletes here, you know, a lot of our um, Olympic athletes and a lot of the top rugby players and all sorts of very high-level athletes here in New Zealand. Hmm. Uh, And I was very involved in the whole performance side. And it was almost to an extent, performance at the exclusion of health. And I'd yeah. sort of fallen into that trap. And then I uh, started getting very unwell and pretty dire at one stage. I was in and out of hospital, lost 16 kilos and you know couldn't really do a heck of a lot of anything because I was so exhausted and fatigued and things were quite on the edge at that point. And that caused me to have a, a pretty massive reevaluation of where I was at in terms of nutrition. But further than that in terms of holistic health and wellness and all those various aspects that play into that. And that drove me then to, I guess, to, to look more holistically at things and to study naturopathy and around that to start incorporating things that I probably previously considered to be part of my personal life that then started to infuse themselves into my work and professional and clinical life. Things like yoga and meditation and you know all those various things that I've been involved in for a very long time, but maybe I'd lost lost the path a little bit and so the um that really kick-started the path to recovery and then two years later i was back competing in weightlifting and you know having pretty much recovered my health and then uh that was a a real blessing because i've been able to since that time work with you know dozens if not hundreds of people with inflammatory bowel diseases and to help them to recover their health as well so, uh, Cliff, I've got to ask you then, just curious, because I know when we, whenever we do a, an episode on digestive issues or even poo, with people love Damo talking about poo, but when it comes down <laughs> to digestive issues and something like Crohn's, what specifically, someone, people listening right now, because so many people, you know, when we hold a wellness summit and Damo says, hands up if you suffer with digestive stress of some kind, you know, 99% of people put their hands up. People are going to want to know, what exactly did you do? Everyone's got a different story, different path, but what exactly do you credit your recovery too. What are some specific things you look back on and go, if I did not do that, I probably wouldn't be in the, the shape I am in now? It, it's been a process and it's still a process. Uh, initially, the biggest thing I did was to start looking at food as a way to nourish and value and honor the self rather than just a way to fuel 
the body for the event tomorrow or the event today. And so yep. that really caused me to look at the quality aspects of food rather than just the quantity aspects. So it's not so much just about how much protein or fat or carbohydrates you're taking in. It's, it's basically to make sure we're not starving to death on a full stomach. And so that was the, the biggest thing initially was to really reattach to the value of food and to really get into the whole real and whole food style of things. And that, to be, to be honest, I mean, that was the biggest thing to start the road back to recovery. And that was where I got to probably where I considered to be 80% well. And at that point, I actually thought I was very well. But in retrospect, I still wasn't quite there. And it wasn't until I really began to look at some of the psycho-emotional and psycho-social stuff as well um, that I really felt like I had reached that sort of tipping point and getting back to not just okay level of health and wellness, but you know, a, a pretty superlative type of health and wellness where you feel pretty damn awesome. So can I just pry one step further? You can pry as far as you want, mate. We're already talking about poo, so this is fascinating. When you said you, I'm going to ask a question soon, Cliff. (laughs) When you said you felt that you got that you were going extremely well, but on reflection, you were about eighty percent, and then you dealt with the psychosocial sides of things. Because Damo tells some fascinating stories here about when he was hosting Downsize Me, and he had this public profile in New Zealand, and he wouldn't socialise with others because he would get too much grief if he had anything. That was just slightly outside of the regiment, I suppose, that people perceived his food was meant to be. Did you find yeah. that your nutrition became so kick butt, but then you'd let go of some of the, the social elements of your life? Or what was that missing 20% when you refer to psychosocial? Initially, the, the biggest area in that was actually looking within the self. And so it was more initially the psycho emotional side of things where I think we certainly carry patterns of belief you know patterns of self-limiting behaviors that affect us physiologically as well and it wasn't until i really put those things together and started to release some of the self-limiting stuff that i'd taken on like what What, give us an example cliff a a good example and this is you know sort of the we're kind of in the circle of trust here the um one of the interesting things i studied up in canada when i was based up there was the psyche modality okay yep 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 one of the things we looked at there was we went through a whole range of exercises to look at particular patterns of self-belief we may be holding on to. Mm-hmm. And one of the interesting things within that is we looked at this idea of being able to give love freely and be able to receive love freely. Yep. And when we evaluated this and we did a particular identification exercise, we found that it was extremely easy for me to give love easily, but in terms of receiving it, there was a big block there. Ah. And I didn't really realize just how much that affected, and now we're talking about the psychosocial stuff, how much that affected relationships with other people just on a day-to-day level. We're not even talking about you know, the deep interpersonal stuff. We're just talking about the interaction with your local person in the cafe, the barista, the waitress, whatever it happens to be. Yeah. But doing some work around that and having some really good releasing experiences just changed the whole context of how I was relating to people in the world around me. But the interesting thing was that also helped massively reduce that last lingering bit of maybe pain that was still there even though I thought it almost wasn't that last little bit of pain in the gut or those last little symptom profiles that were still lingering and just kind of think well I feel pretty good so maybe this is just my lot for the rest of my life and 
It's interesting, mate, because um, I reckon what you've identified is what a lot of practitioners around the world would probably feel. You know, we continually have to give, not that we have to, but we choose to give. Mm. Um, and now in Australia, we've got board regulations that actually say you can't even get a cuddle from your patients. You know, even if, <laughs> even if they are wrapped with what you've been able to help them with, they, yeah. you cannot touch your patients. That seemed to be inappropriate. Now, there's quite clearly, obviously, there's a slippery slope where some people could actually go down. But, you know, to get a, a cuddle of gratitude or a kiss on the cheek because it's, you know, thank you or happy to see somebody because the people that you give love to in terms of your heart and your knowledge and everything that you can share, you know, that part of their repayment to you is an exchange and uh, it, it doesn't have to be an exchange of cash, which is what the boards want you to, you know, only exchange. Yeah. And uh, and I think that you might have been feeling some of that pain. Would you agree with that? I completely agree, yeah. And, you know, I, I think that there are obviously regulations and restrictions that perhaps need to be applied, but the reality is it can go easily too far. And any of us that are in a, a caring, giving profession, there's nothing wrong with getting a hug from a client. I mean, I'll, you know... Be, be very engaged with that and there's no problem with it at all but yeah it's part of recognizing that we are worthy of receiving that in return as well yeah. and a big part of that is just being able to give to self first and foremost because hey if we're not in that we all know this this is trite but we all know that if we're not in that really good place we're not going to be as effective anyway yeah that's so true that's so true well i love all that i, I, I like it a lot now Going back to a comment that you said before, Cliff, you actually said starving to death on a full stomach. And, I wrote that um, down as well, Damon. Oh, see? It's, it's <laughs> you and I. We're linked. We're linked. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, now, maybe it's because we're 101. Now, I'm thinking, <laughs> Cliff, um, this starving to death on a full stomach, I raised that very same concept in Downsize Me, oh, would have to now be nearly 10 years ago. And yeah. uh, what I said, and possibly because I maybe read a piece of your research, I can't remember, but I, I identified that the obese people of today were the most malnourished people on the planet. And But it used to be that obesity was a, a sickness of the rich. And, yep. and these days, obesity is a sickness <clears throat> of the poor or those who make poor choices. And, uh, and, and is that kind of what you're saying there? It's exactly, yeah. And... It's at two levels. On the micro level, you know, people can be just taking in more than sufficient fuel. So obviously they're spilling over and, um, you know, leading to body fat gain, body weight gain. But they may not get any enough, anywhere near enough of those little guys that basically make everything else work. So they're starving on a micronutrient sense. Yeah. But more than that, you know, and this is particularly true in relation to the research that we do here and the research that I'm involved with, which is the lower carb, higher fat stuff, ketogenesis, metabolic adaptation, all those big scary words. Yep. Um, but that is involved with this idea that, hey, even if you're overweight, your majority functional tissue, in other words, muscle, your brain, your organs, they may not be getting enough fuel. And so that's obviously going to drive, in spite of the fact that you're getting bigger and bigger, that's going to drive you to want more more food, more fuel, more sugar in particular, to continue to try and give yourself this fuel, even though your hungry, hungry adipose tissue, your hungry fat cells are starting to suck it all up. And so you can be starving on two levels, like I say, micronutrient, and also just in terms of needing more fuel but putting it in the wrong place. Okay, so I want to ask you then, Cliff, because this is where this is where a lot of people get very curious. In the uh, Cliff Harvey household, what goes into Cliff's stomach on a daily basis? I can tell you pretty much exactly. I mean, I eat typically four meals a day, although that could be less depending if I'm if I'm hungry, I eat. If I'm not, I don't. 
Uh, but typically I have a big green smoothie that includes lots of uh, good quality fats in it as well and some good quality protein. I have that for breakfast and afternoon tea. Lunch and dinner are the same because I simply prepare too much at night, so I've got lunch for the following day, and that's typically just meat and vegetables. Yep. And lots okay. of vegetables. You know, that's that's the key. I think that's one of the areas that we could probably all agree on, whether we're low-carb, high-carb, whatever area of nutrition we come to, I think we can all agree what our mamas told us, which is to eat more veggies. Yeah, and that's where a lot of the, I suppose, Damo and I were talking about this recently. There was a poll done in Australia, and 96% of Australians aren't having their they're what even their base recommendations of five and two that you've got all five servings of veg and two servings of fruit and only four percent of Australians can actually look themselves in the mirror and say that they're doing that um, so yeah that's equally concerning and then all right well then what about exercise because I know this is a big area of, of, we haven't spoken that much about it but I know we could this is a big area of what you do what do you like to do on a regular basis from a movement pattern perspective that's a it's a great area of learning for me right now because um as you guys know i used to compete in weightlifting and i also used to compete in in some of the fighting sports boxing and uh, submission wrestling brazilian jiu-jitsu and over the years i've developed a few little niggling injuries and things and so now i don't really have the same tendency to do those things anymore because uh you know with, with a few of those niggling injuries it's just not really conducive to optimal health anymore so it's been an interesting process lately of just learning other things to do and a lot of it's just coming back to that exercise as play idea so being a little bit more uh, intuitive about about things I do a lot of gymnastics uh, I walk a lot which I think is a, a missing component of many people's exercise strategy because you know we sit on our butts all day and then we think well what's going to give me the biggest bang for buck I might as well go and hammer myself in the gym for half an hour <laughs> um, but often we're just not moving generally enough so that's part of my process now is just to make sure I'm moving a lot walking for say an hour a day I do a lot of intermittent exercise so I don't really go to the gym all that much anymore but every half an hour or so I might drop down and do a set of push-ups or a set of pistol squats or do some pull-ups you know so it's very much integrative exercise that works into your into your day and it's just general movement really that's yep. nice. That's nice. good. That's a nice way to go. It seems that a lot more people are going in that direction. Now, we've only got a few minutes left now, Cliff. It's flown. It's always fun. You know, it's always great and time flies when you're having fun. But, Cliff, what can people expect to hear from you at the Thrive Symposium this weekend? Well, the, the topic there is that idea actually of starving on a full stomach. So, I'm really going to investigate what's happened to our food in terms of its micronutrient status because there's a lot of hyperbole around that, some of which is untrue, but yeah. some of which is you know, quite daunting, quite challenging in terms of, for example, how much vegetable matter we need to take in nowadays, all these types of things. Yeah. And then also really get into that idea of how do we optimally fuel ourselves because the whole calories in, calories out thing is very inexact. You know, it's, it's not anywhere near at the level we need to actually be looking at nutrition. So looking at those ideas of how do we actually optimally fuel and how do we use those nutrients effectively but then, of course, within that, I always try and give people very simple take-home points so they can begin to just integrate it straight away because, obviously, all the information in the world is not going to be worth anything unless people can start to do something right now. So it's, in a general sense, it's that idea of how do we optimally nourish ourselves, how do we stop ourselves from starving on a full stomach. Well, it's going to be a fabulous weekend. Not only Cliff Harvey and Damien Christoph, but the Merrymaker sisters and Mark Sisson and Sarah Wilson. It's going to be a wonderful weekend. If you haven't got a ticket yet, folks, and you're an urgency addict, you've only got a few days left, you'll need to go to thrive.me, and that's thrive replacing the I with a one, dot me. 
and uh, access your tickets there to a weekend of uh, health and wellness. Cliff, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom. We did dig a little deep there, so thanks for your honesty and sharing uh, with us some of your uh, techniques and rituals and what you've been able to do to actually, uh, yeah, literally be the best version of yourself. So thank you so much, Cliff, for joining us on 100 Not Out. Well, thank you, guys. It was great. Now, remember, folks, we'd love to hear your feedback. You can provide it in any number of ways, but the best is to go to our website at thewellnesscouch.com forward slash 100 not out. And also, remember, if you've liked this episode, then please subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and check out thewellnesscouch.com where you can view the entire range of wellness podcasts available, including the number one show, The Wellness Guys. So until next week, continue to make the rest of your life the best of your life. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.